didn't sugarcoat it. We told them what it was. That diagnosis was incorrect. Trying to learn how to walk and talk and sit up again. Here with Alex. Um, so I wanted to have a chat to Alex um, about sort of her story. She's got a little boy with brain cancer, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I kind of just wanted to dive into his story, um, <clears throat> what it's like sort of juggling all of that um, with a couple of kids as well. So I'll hand over to you and let you sort of introduce yourself and explain your story a little bit. Okay. Uh, well, I'm Alex. Um, I have four kids. Uh, Henry is our third of four children. And um, last year in June, he was diagnosed with brain cancer. Uh, it sort of came completely out of the blue. Um, I'm told it's pretty typical for what he has, that it just has no sort of warning until it gets to the point where, you, you know, you just can't ignore it anymore. Um, he was a very active two-year-old boy and uh, we were actually playing at the park one day where he fell and hit his head. Uh, we went to the hospital after that and um, we thought he had a concussion. A uh, day later, it just got worse and he was vomiting, could barely walk. Um, we rushed him back where they did a CT and they found that he had like a quite a large brain tumour, um, about the size of a mandarin in his little two-year-old head. Um, and then two days later, he was having brain surgery um, and they were thankfully able to remove it all. Um, and then, yeah, basically from there, we've started our, our cancer journey, which is not something I ever thought that I would say or be doing or going through. Uh, he's treated up in Brisbane and we're on the Gold Coast. So it's about an hour away from where we live and we have our other three children at home. So our youngest is was at the time nine months old when Henry was diagnosed. So it's oh, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a big juggle. Um, I was still on maternity leave with my youngest, so thankfully didn't have to worry about work myself. My husband juggles full time work and you know caring for Henry as well and spending time at the hospital with him too. So between my husband and I and my mum, we've sort of just sort of made it all work. Yeah. Sort of just yeah. have to when that happens. Yeah, that's right. I have no choice. And it's just been a whirlwind, really. Like, we haven't had a chance to think about it, really. Just, we just have to do it. We just have to, you know, do all the things that we have to do, look after our other kids and make it work. Because you don't yeah. really have a choice. Yeah. So, how old is he now then? So, Henry turns three next month. Yeah. On the second yeah. three. Yeah. So, it's been seven months now since he was diagnosed. Um, he spent the first two months in recovery from his surgery because it has given him something called posterior process syndrome where he was basically essentially a newborn when he got out of surgery. For quite a few weeks, maybe six weeks, he was unable to hold his head up, couldn't chew or swallow, couldn't talk, um, couldn't move his arms or legs. That just slowly has come back. So he's still unable to walk um, but has gotten to the point where he can eat normally now he's talking his speech is impaired but it's um you can understand him and he can understand what we're saying um and he's just slowly trying to walk again so yeah. doing all of that alongside also radiation treatment chemotherapy treatment which is it's quite um full-on treatment that he's receiving as well um but in the back of all that he's also trying to learn how to walk and talk and sit up again and all the things that you know he could do 
eight months ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. How did the um? How did your other children sort of take it? That you got. Yeah. So it was really hard. We waited. Um. So when he had the fall at the park, they knew he was at hospital that day. Um. And we again just thought it was a concussion, and so we didn't really tell them too much. And then when it turned out to be, you know, a tumor and surgery and all that, we actually kept it from um, our two older girls who are eight and five, seven and four at the time. Um, we they knew he was in hospital, but we didn't sort of elaborate for quite a while until we knew until we were given his diagnosis. So it was about three weeks. So three weeks of they couldn't see him because we couldn't video call him because it was you know, quite graphic. He had yeah. bandages and drains in his head and things like that. Um, so we just had to sort of tell them that, you know, he's just recovering in hospital. He's okay. And um, so they were okay. And then we, um, with help from the OTs in the hospital, they made like a little book for him that, for the kids that showed them sort of what and explained it to them like a child could understand yeah. that. Yeah. you know, that he has cancer, that he's going to go through all these treatments. And we didn't sugarcoat it. We told them what it was um, and what the different um, treatments he was getting would yeah. be. Um, and I think that's good because they don't, like, they don't know what cancer is. So it's not no. scary to a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, but they, you know, they took it really well. They just wanted to see him and they just wanted to know that he was okay. So once they could come visit him, it was, you know, everything was fine for them, you know. But they do obviously feel um, the difference of not having my husband and I here all the time together. So for that first eight weeks before he started chemo and he was in hospital, my husband and I swapped every single day at the hospital. So we'd spend 24 hours at a time there with him and my husband would work all day and he'd come home and then drive up to the hospital and swap with me. Then I would spend the next day home with the kids. So if it weren't for my mum, my mum, she lives next door and she's incredible. She um, she was there every night when we swapped. She was there with them during the day when they went at kindy. And, yeah, I don't, we, it would be very, very, very difficult without my mum. She's yeah. been incredible. Yeah. I don't know how we would have done it without her. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's amazing. Like I was going to say like the juggling of going back and forward and even for the other yes. kids as well. Um, yeah. We've needed that third parent. Yeah. yeah. My mom has been the third parent. Yeah. You know, we needed that. We couldn't have done it otherwise. Yeah. Have you noticed sort of um, like how much sort of time, I guess, do you spend between sort of hospital and, and home? Um, so in the very beginning we were he was in hospital for two months. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then after that when he started chemo, his schedule was a week in hospital and then oh, it was five days in hospital, two days at home, five days in hospital, two days at home. Um, we did that. It was a three-week cycle. We did that twice. Um, so we basically spent all the time in hospital. We came home for weekends if we're lucky, but um, often he was sick. Um, and then we had a break because we were originally we were given a diagnosis three weeks after his surgery. Um, and it turned out a few months later that that diagnosis was incorrect and he was given a new diagnosis, which was a much more rare cancer that they didn't actually pick up the first biopsy that they did. So, yeah, yeah. So originally he was diagnosed with quite a common um, cancer, medulloblastoma, um, and the subcategory they gave him was a very good um, 
the best prognosis you could possibly have. So we were, you know, we just felt like we had to get through the chemo and then he would be fine. Yeah. Um, two months after that diagnosis, um, a different biopsy that had gone away to a study um, came back and gave us a new diagnosis of um, something called ATRT. And it's much more rare, um, more aggressive, um, not really what we were expecting to hear. Um, and so it changed his treatment plan. So we'd finished some chemo and that new diagnosis changed our treatment plan and we started radiation. So he was never originally going to have any radiation. Um, so we'd spent six weeks then doing radiation up in Brisbane as outpatient, so not actually admitted into the hospital. Mm -hmm. And every day, every weekday, Monday to Friday, he would go under general anaesthetic and get radiation. And then we would drive him home or stay up there at the Ronald McDonald house, depending on how we felt. <laughs> and yeah, so we did that for six weeks straight. Um, that was a lot. It was a lot of getting up at four o'clock in the morning and driving up to Brisbane and um, yeah. fasting him every day. We'd have to fast him. Um, so not let him eat any breakfast and then and God kind of doesn't understand why very hard for a two-year-old to not eat um, and not understand why they can't eat um, so we finished that that was you know it actually was uh, aside from all of that more pleasant than chemo because he had no side effects whatsoever you wouldn't yeah. even know that he had it um, and then we had a little bit of a break just before Christmas and then just before Christmas, the week before, we started a new high-dose chemotherapy, which is um, three to four weeks in hospital. But he actually smashed it out in just under three weeks. So um, we did our first round and we're about to start our second round on Monday. Wow. So we spent a lot of time in hospital, <laughs> like a lot. And if we're not at the Brisbane Hospital, if we're at home and he gets any sort of temperature, we have to race into our local hospital where we usually end up spending a couple of nights as well. So a lot of time in hospital. We've gotten used yeah. to the hard beds that they have there. Oh, right. Even just um, like mentally as a parent, that has got to be. Yeah. You don't have things. any, um, I don't know, I feel like we're just doing it because we have no choice. We know yeah. that there is option so we just do it no time to dwell on you know how hard it is I think one day we're going to look back on it and maybe have a little bit of a menti B as they say <laughs> until breakdown um but at this point we just sort of we're just doing it right yeah sort of adrenaline until yes yeah until it's all done yeah so once he finishes treatment, he's um, looking to finish treatment in March. And um, from there, we're just deciding on whether or not there'll be any other sort of maintenance treatment that we'll do maybe from home. And then if not, it'll just be regular scans from then and hope that nothing ever comes back. Yeah, that's mm. the scariest part. I just, yeah, it is. It's a really scary thought to be finished treatment as well, you know, and not have anything there stopping it from coming back. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And um, the other thing I sort of wanted to talk about as well in terms of, like, obviously you mentioned your husband's got a full-time job and then um, mm. you're on maternity leave and that sort of thing at the time, but what's um, the expense sort of like as, mm. I mean, as a family that's got to be a lot of expense going through. Yeah. You know, um I follow a lot of different people, you know, a lot of other um, families going through similar situations and a lot 
of the like there's a lot that I follow that are overseas and I'm it makes me so so grateful that we live here um because you know in America for example like medical treatment yeah um here we are so fortunate because we actually don't pay for his medical treatment like we you know everything that he gets in the hospital is covered thankfully um it surprised me to learn like we have private health insurance and it surprised me to learn in the very beginning that you can't use it like that we go really? to a public, yeah well we go to a public hospital because that's where yeah, all yeah, the, yeah. the doctors are that specialize in these things um he yeah i wouldn't be able to take him to just a normal private hospital and treat him using our private health cover um because all the experts are at the yeah, the yeah. children's hospital that we're in so um yeah there's no cost um the the biggest cost when we go to the hospital is probably the parking um <laughs> There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of organisations and charities and stuff that help, yep. especially the oncology families. Um, there's a lot of driving up and back for us as well. Um, about an hour each time we drive up to the hospital. Um, but the, probably the one of the harder things would be that I can't physically go back to work um, because my job is an in-person job. Yeah. So. Um, I haven't been able to return to work from my maternity leave at this point. And even once Henry's finished treatment, there's a lot of rehab that he'll be doing. And I couldn't put him in kidney knowing that he can't walk. So, you yeah. know, return to work's not really an option just yet for me. And we are a two-income family normally. Um, so that's sort of one thing um, that has impacted us. But, you know... So many generous people and organisations out there, you know, it's helped us a lot. Um, But, yeah, I'm just always really grateful for the medical care that we have here. I've said it from the beginning. Like, it's it's astounding to see everything that he gets and just know the cost behind it all but know that it's not put on to us. Um, And I'm really, really grateful for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at some people in America and places like that it puts them, you it's, know, it's in the bank yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I've I, seen, I've, no, I've seen stories where people have had to, you know, give up their children even because they can't, they, they can't pay the bills. So they have to give them up to the state to pay for their medical care. It's, 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 awful. it's horrendous. Absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty thankful for living in Australia. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> And I do believe he's getting the best care. He gets the most amazing care. The team he has is incredible. So very thankful for him. And it was Brisbane Children's. Brisbane, yeah. uh, It's called the um, Queensland Children's Hospital that we go to. Yeah, Yeah, interesting. And what's, um, like, even obviously him being that young, like, children are so resilient. Oh, incredibly, yeah. I think if you put, like... I think about if I went through something like that or yes. an adult, it's just, yes. I don't think you'd have the same. No. He is just a two-year-old that wants yes. to two-year-old things, like in, you know, a body of a boy that's going through chemotherapy and, you know, has had major brain surgery. Mm-hmm. But um, his last chemo round where I've seen, you know, lots of kids that are bed-bound and on morphine drips and, 
you know, unable to move because they're in so much pain. He was doing laps around the ward in his on his trike, like every day, like you know, getting his exercise in. Yeah, <laughs> energy. So, um, yeah, it's just so resilient, and he's so determined. He just, you know, he'll walk again. I know because he just he wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Oh, that's. He's so just one of those really active kids, and he's just he puts up with so much. Like you know, the daily. You know, they change his dressing and that hurts, but he does it and he deals with it. He was getting daily injections. You know, mm-hmm. before all of this, I remember dreading every time I had to take my four-year-old to get their immunizations. You think, oh, gosh, how am I going to give them this needle? Yeah. And how you know, react. And he's getting every single day, you know, getting a needle in his leg to help his counts recover. Yeah. It just becomes normal for them, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's terribly normal for him now. Which is... Sad. It's awful. Sad. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, they're so... The kids are amazing. The kids really, they're so resilient. Mm. Oh, something I read recently, it's one in five children um, will not survive um, childhood cancer. So, But there's just, there's so much to that. There's so many different kinds. Yeah. You know, we talk about childhood cancer like it's one thing, but mm. it's not brain cancers there's blood cancers there's sarcomas there's you know it's just it's such a broad spectrum but we talk about childhood cancer like it's one cancer but we don't talk about adult cancer in the same way yes it's breast cancer you know it's all the other ones but they're just it's it's very much lumped together when we're talking about children but um I'm not sure how it works in Australia I was trying to work it out but um, I know in America they are given 3.8% of the whole budget towards cancer research goes to children. So in America, they say that their children are worth more than four, which is more than 4% of the whole budget of childhood cancer, of, of cancer research. So, yeah, that's the nice. Uh, yeah, so when they're, when they're looking at what their government puts towards cancer research, 4% is all that is given to the children. So... And that's every childhood cancer, not, you know. And that's 4%. Really yeah. yeah, we should be definitely prioritising our children. But yeah. uh, fortunately it doesn't always work that way. And that affects us too because research, no matter where in the world, research is research. So the more people researching, the better it benefits everyone. Yeah, 100%. All right, I didn't know that figure. That's yes, I know. A lot of people probably don't know that figure. I don't know what our figure is here, um, but just in general, like, you know, you think about the amount of money that must go to cancer research in America. Mm-hmm. Um, that affects us too because if they find a cure for a cancer over there, we're going to get it here too. So yeah. every country is the same when it comes yeah. to research, yeah, really. That's, that's right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. A lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's a whole kind of you don't really always know about until you're in it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like sort of looking from the outside, you you see mm. sort of a sick child kind of thing, but you don't actually understand the. No, I know I didn't. All the levels that go into it. It's yeah. Too much. Um, has he sort of had like much of a? Does it impact him much? I know you said like he sort of just is determined uh. to get going and. I hope not. I really do. It's it's hard to sort of tell. Um, it, it all seems to just sort of 
you know, he goes with the flow and he just sort of does it. I, I'm hoping that it's just going to be one of those really faint memories that he doesn't even really remember. Yeah. I'm hoping he's just at that beautiful age where he'll forget it all. But yeah. it's really hard to know. Um, he's not, I hear of a lot of kids that, you know, the second you walk into a room with a white coat or, a, you know, scrubs on, they panic because they are aware. But he doesn't seem to be worried. Like, you know, we go to the hospital and he's happy there. <laughs> Like, I hope that we make it fun for him where we can so that it's not, you know, a dreadful thing for him. He loves his doctor and his nurses and um, at this point he seems pretty good with it all. So I hope it stays that way. I hope we haven't traumatised him for life. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good. It's kind of, yeah, a bit of a in-between age. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Is this sort of like even when you got like the diagnosis and stuff, do they do they mention anything about like you don't really hear of much development and that sort of thing with treatments and do they sort of give you much hope around that or? Um, so, yeah, so a lot of it is what I research myself and when I say research, Google. Yeah. Um, big, big Google Um So when we got his first diagnosis the one that turned out to be incorrect um it did have a really really um successful prognosis it had a very good prognosis um it was one that they didn't anticipate would ever recur and never come back um so we yeah we were quite positive about that um the new diagnosis is being more rare and it is more of an aggressive type um it's a little bit more unknown because being so rare, when I say rare, there's, you know, I'm in a Facebook group with 1,400 other people. So, you know, and we see people added into that group every day. So, you know, it's rare, but it's happening. Yeah. Um, because of the rareness of it, it's not as researched and not as funded. And um, it's a newer um strain a newer um type Um, yeah so yeah so for a long time it was misdiagnosed like henry was as a medelloblastoma um and so they think probably for years there were kids that had it that were being treated as medelloblastoma because they didn't have the technology to um diagnose it properly Mm -hmm. um the reason henry was misdiagnosed was it was originally um biopsied locally and we were given the results but it was inconclusive the biopsy and so we were given basically the most likely diagnosis rather than a a scientific diagnosis yeah yeah so we had the opportunity at the same time as that to send it off to a research study um i didn't see why we wouldn't do that so we did um and that is called it's called aim brain and it's funded by charities like um carrie's beanies for brain cancer and um multiple other charities that sort of fund these studies um so it went to that study and that's it's called methylation profiling so they did that on his tumor and that's where we got his correct diagnosis so without sending that off to a research study we wouldn't have had the correct diagnosis and he would have been very severely undertreated for what he had um and you know that's catastrophic you know you need to treat it as it is um and so thankfully since then so in the last six months that 
study has been accredited and now will be available to every child without question that comes in with a brain tumour. Um, obviously, Yeah, it obviously gives a much more accurate diagnosis um, and gives more information about their particular tumour, which yeah. is helpful in treating it. So, you know, it's really um, these research studies that are giving people hope. So it's the funding of those that helps really. Um, without that study, we would be thinking we had the best prognosis of the most common cancer um, for children in their brain. Um, Turn around. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm really like happy to hear that that's now something that every child with a brain tumour in Australia and New Zealand will have access to immediately. Yeah. Um, and would be a much quicker turnaround time. We It was three months before we found out his correct diagnosis, which is just not long enough. Like it's, it's too long to yeah. wait to get a correct diagnosis. So that will be, you know, kids will come in with a brain tumour now and get accurate diagnoses straight away. So, oh, that is so good to um, hear. Yeah. So um, to answer your question, Henry's um, type, the ATRT tumours, they have a um, five-year survival rate of about 30%. So um, that would be based on the fact that it's newer, it's less researched. Um, the um, treatments have changed over the years and there are better treatment options now, but they're, you know, they're still... Um, bit of a guess sometimes, you know, that there's some groups to his type of cancer, but they, they know what they are, but they don't know what they mean because they haven't been researched properly. So yep. they're not treated to the best of their ability and that's all down to funding. So it's crazy. Yeah. Funding, that's what I would say. Yeah. 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 No, it's literally all you can really do. Yeah. I mean, but our point of view is raising awareness for it and... Yeah. Yeah. Giving to charities, that sort of thing, but kind of the government's. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that is super interesting. Thank you so much for sharing his story and everything. But I oh, definitely hope that things improve. But I sort of wanted to dive into as well. Um, I know so you obviously have your co-owner of the Mini Co., yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd love to sort of hear about that. I know she sort of do um, kids' clothing, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, like uh, is it little dolls' clothing? clothing mm -hmm. that yeah. Um, Some... Yeah, so yeah. I sort of wanted to dive a little bit into that and hear your story behind that. What got you into that? And... Yeah, oh, it's actually something we sort of fell into. So um, I co-own with my mum. <laughs> oh, so yeah. my mum. Actually, the talent she makes so anything that's handmade in our business my mom makes um yeah. yeah she's very talented so a couple of years ago um i was on maternity leave with henry baby henry and the pandemic had hit and we were just you know stuck at home had my newborn and i was heading back to work soon and mom really just wanted something as a little hobby and we were talking about little things that she could do she's an amazing um sewer she crochets she does all the things and we we're trying to put her skills to use and I said well let's start you a little business and the intent was always just to have a little business for mom to do yep. in her spare time and at the same time you know um the mini cane dolls and miniland dolls were such a huge craze and they seem to be so big and 
nobody could get the clothes. So we sort of fell into doing clothes for them. And it was at the time quite big and it sort of took off really quickly. And we, I feel like we fell into it. Like we, it wasn't sort of what we had intended to begin with. Um, but we really loved it. It was kind of fun. It was something at the time not a whole heap of people were doing. And so, yeah, we just started making dolls clothes and that sort of branched out. We started stocking the dolls um, and uh, the tiny Harlow accessories, if you've seen those, that she does all the beautiful little food jars and bottles and things for the dolls. Um, and, of course, we had to make matching kids' clothes so that you can match your doll. And, yeah, it just sort of grew and grew. I went back to work. The day we launched the business, I went back to my full-time job uh, working in retail and had my small third child as well still at home. Yeah. And, yeah, we just sort of did it on the side, a bit of fun for us. It's a little hobby of ours. We love it still. We haven't stopped even through Henry's diagnosis. We um, still shipping orders regularly. Mom has learnt how to pick and pack and <laughs> shipping labels and stuff from home as well. And, you know, I direct from the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, it's just been something that sort of grew and blossomed in my spare time, mom's spare time. She looks after my kids a lot as well when I'm at work or in the hospital. And yeah, it's just something we really love doing. And yeah, I'm really glad we kind of had that in the background as well. It's a good um, a distraction. Uh, distraction, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then last year also, um, through sort of my love of taking all the photos for our little business, um, I started my own little business doing um, product photography as well, just another little fun thing on the side. And I just sort of just started doing that when Henry was diagnosed. So yeah, well, that also kept me really busy in the early days like too. One of those super mums. <laughs> <laughs> just doing a little bit of everything here and there <laughs> yeah that's cool i've looked at like three page and stuff absolutely beautiful love it very Thank cool. you. um yeah talking about sort of kids clothes and stuff the last sort of thing that i wanted to even ask about is um with your little boy like having cancer and that sort of thing having you know tubes a feeding tube do you find it difficult at all with clothing in terms of what suits what? him if you've got like a pack on or what's comfortable for him? Yeah. Um, it is hard to find things that sort of are medically suited um, for these sorts of things. He does have um, a CVL, so that comes through his chest and they sort of hang down. From yeah. his, um, I think we were lucky probably in his age that we he was just sort of the cutoff where I could still put a romper on him. So I'd pop a romper on him, which secured them a little bit so that his baby brother couldn't pull on them, you know, when they're playing. Yeah. Um, but then they're not accessible, so that's not sort of ideal when we're at the hospital. Um, yeah, it is hard to find sort of something like that that would put them away where they can't be tugged on or anything, but still easy access. Um, but, yeah, we just sort of had to improvise. Yeah. 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 And he has his feeding tube as well. His brother's pulled that out twice now. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, it's a bit rough. Doesn't, it doesn't sound comfortable. <laughs> mm, that's not nice, but... <laughs> 
it's not nice getting it he has to get it back in when he, when he does that but yeah is that, that sort of so he would have to go and get that put back in yeah well so he pulled it out two days ago and we've left it out this time because he's able to eat now like in the yeah. early days he had no ability to eat um himself so we needed it um now we're a little bit more relaxed where he can eat himself at home and um he's happy to take his meds if he had meds that he wouldn't take we'd have to go put it back in so that we yeah. can put his meds down it um so we've just left it out for now give him a bit of a break yeah oh you know no matter how close to his nose you tape it those little tiny baby fingers just hook in there and pull it out they can get anything yeah yeah wow Mm. no that is it's kind of opened my eyes even Um, yes you don't really you know you've i've seen photos of kids you know with the the feeding tubes and things you just don't sort of understand until you have to live with it yeah and what's what's kind of like the reaction with um other people seeing him like if you yeah. Is it positive or negative? Um, or? Look, it's really hard. I, I go, I sort of go back and forth between like I don't want people to look at him and pity him. Like, yeah. you know, we're out at the shops. But at the same time, I don't want people to, you know, maybe make a big deal yeah. out of it. Either. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, we probably have only had one real incident where I was a bit ready to <laughs> Um, just an old man one day lining up for Santa just before Christmas. He came up to me and he said, what's wrong with him? And I just thought, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so, but yeah. most people would be more empathetic, I think. This man was a bit blunt for my liking. <laughs> um, but I suppose, you know, he's got quite a large scar on the back of his head. So, you know, it's it's not... We don't hide it away. We don't, you know, pretend that it hasn't happened. Um, we're proud of him, if anything, you know, and how he... Definitely. Yeah, how he has fought through it all and, you know, to see him trying to walk or, you know, riding his bike and things like that, it's it's just something that we're just purely proud of. So like we want people to... Yeah. Yeah. Like watching yeah. again every day. Yeah, it's like, honestly, it was like having him as a newborn again and watching him do every single thing all over again. And as awful as it was, it was also a joy. Like every time he did something new, like in the very beginning when he just moved his hand for the first time, I screamed and ran out to the nurses and jumped for joy with them, you know, to say that he could move again because we just didn't know if he ever would. Yeah. Um, and then it was just one by one all the things then he started talking again and first time he said mum again and you know it's really like living his first year all over again which is yeah yeah, quite special in a way it is is, you don't often get to do that twice so if we want to take something good from it it's that (laughs) yeah definitely go try and always look at the positive side of it yeah yeah for sure um yeah so in terms of um, Blackie's diagnosis, that sort of thing, mm. um, is there anything more you'd like to add or is there any way that um, people can sort of support your small business to support him? And uh, um, Look, we've I've got some beautiful friends and they set up a little GoFundMe for us, which was incredible and has helped us immensely. And um, just the support of 
small businesses and um, you know my kids had their three of them had birthdays in September slash October last year and so many people came together to put on an amazing birthday for them so that they could have this special day after everything that they've gone through as well because it's a lot for them. Um, I do feel very blessed to have so many people around us. Um, in terms of his diagnosis, it's more things like um, research. It's it's purely research. It's needed um, to to you know to help all these other kids because they're getting diagnosed every day. Um, yeah. And the more we can research it and um, fund the research, the better. Um, yeah, that's really the biggest thing, I think. But the, the only thing that I would ask for is research, funding of research. If anyone wants to help, you know, if you are someone who has a friend or a relative or anyone that you know um, that is affected by, by childhood cancer, um, the, probably one of the most, you know, uh, important things you could do for them is to help fund research, you know, mm -hmm. because that's, that's what's probably lacking. Yes, make them a meal and take it to their house so they don't have to feed their kids the next day or, you know, do the little things for them too. But if you really, really want to make a huge impact, it's, it's if everyone came together and helped fund the research. Yeah. Um, you know, because our kids as well, they're going through chemo treatments that – are outdated they're they're not designed for children they're designed for adults there's yeah. no specific that is for children um yeah it's that's interesting there's, there's, yeah there's got to be a better way um you know some of the chemo drugs that henry is on and he's been through maybe eight different drugs i think now of chemo um one of them couple of them actually cause hearing loss. So um, it's very well known to cause um, high frequency hearing loss, but we That's obviously not permanent thing, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's permanent. It causes them to have permanent hearing loss. Um, like for Henry, we just did his um, second hearing scan um, test and it's looking like maybe he is starting to have a little bit of high frequency hearing loss. Um, at this point, it doesn't affect um, normal speech levels, but it could. And if that happened, he would need hearing aids and it wouldn't be, you know, it's not a temporary loss. It's, it's permanent, unfortunately. Yeah. They're the things that we have to sacrifice, you know, for him to get these treatments. These treatments are brutal. They're not, um, they're not, they're, yeah, they're outdated. They're not, um, you know, some cause heart problems and some cause liver problems and, um, and some of the, sorry some of the, sorry they um they get through treatment and then they survive their cancer but then they're hit with so many problems later in life that's caused from the chemo because they're just not um up to they're not they're not researched enough they haven't found new better ways to treat them without yeah. causing all these other side effects at the same time yeah it kind of it, it always shocks me and i know this is probably a crazy thing to say but um like the chemo and stuff that they use it's almost it's almost a bit of a business as well like they make a lot of money out of using the chemo that sure. they use yeah um and 
Yeah, it just, it shocks me that you can send someone to the moon, but you can't cure cancer. There's got to yeah. be more. Yeah, but like, yeah, done. why is why's that budget not <laughs> going somewhere? Yeah, exactly. Part of it anyway. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think, yeah, the key research funding is definitely the key and it's probably one of the best gifts that you could give to someone who's facing a child with cancer. If you want to help your friend or your relative or your neighbour who's going through it, you know, donations. Yeah, definitely. Put a link up at the end of this for anyone that wants to donate. Um, even, yeah, I'll, I'll put your GoFund page up and <laughs> we'll put some donation pages up for links to, to fundraising and everyone can definitely chip in. It's It just, I, I mean, to someone like myself that hasn't been directly impacted by it, it opens your eyes just talking to someone yeah. that has because you, you just don't you think oh yeah he's got cancer he's gone through treatment yeah you you honestly you don't you wouldn't know no one would know you know you wouldn't understand I never did until you actually are there going through it every day holding their hand so yeah. um, the day that Henry fell um, at the park he, when he fell and hit his head the day before everything started. Um, I remember sitting there at the park and someone had asked me, messaged my Instagram and said, can you share this um, ball that they were doing for the Starlight Foundation? Nope, Make-A-Wish Foundation. Right. And I shared it on my page and I remember sitting there, I can vividly remember sitting there in the park sharing this and looking at my kids because I had both my boys with me and I remember thinking, gosh, I'm so glad that I've never, ever needed Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, and, yeah, he fell within maybe 20 minutes of me sharing that. And from there this whole thing started. And, you know, it was only a few weeks later that we were told that he would get to Make-A-Wish. So it's just like you just, you honestly just don't know. You don't know what's around the corner. Yeah. You don't. And you just... You really, I think, maybe don't know how lucky you are until you're faced with something, you know, yeah. like this. It's, it's almost like it's a crazy way that that happened, but it's almost a blessing that he fell it's, that day. It sure is a blessing. Like I only look at it as a blessing. He mm. was meant to fall that day. He was chasing the birds and he was meant to fall. Um, it had been a few weeks of me thinking something was just not, quite right um but it just wasn't any it just didn't it was so subtle everything that happened was so subtle and yeah until he fell that day you you just you know you wouldn't have noticed really no one on the outside would have thought there was anything wrong but you know your mum mum's guts <laughs> just going something's not quite right um but yeah you just I even to the even to the point where they were doing his CT scan and um, and he was obviously unwell at that time, like he was in and out of consciousness and he was vomiting and he was weak and um, they did a CT scan and I still was just like, wow, this is a really bad concussion. Like it was still never even a thought in my mind that it could have been anything different. You don't it's ever just, think the worst. No. Well, I do now, I can tell yeah. you. Now, the first thing my mind ever goes to, but... Um, 
it certainly wasn't then. You just, yeah, never expect it to be your story. Yeah. No. Well, that is so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing sharing his story, um, yeah. given your story, and one strong woman. It's my <laughs> take from this with everything we that you do. have no choice. We just, you know. Yeah. You just keep that's going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I definitely sure hope that um, his treatment is successful and he gets better from here. There's no return. Um, yes. How much longer is the treatment for him? We're hoping finishing in the first week of March. All going well. Yeah. Very good. No, all yeah. It's just around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get to the next couple of months. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I definitely hope that everything goes well for him. And thank you, thank you so much for sharing his story. Right. Thank you for taking the time to listen because I ramble. But <laughs> <laughs> No, it's good. It's very interesting, very eye-opening to hear even just the details um, yeah. that we don't see from the outside. So, well, I, think, I really I it's helpful. Yeah. yeah, I think it will help a lot of people to realise how important it is for research. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that's something we love to do as a company is to be able to, um, you know, give back to um, especially children being a children, yes. children's clothing company, yes. being able to give back in terms of charities is so important and it's definitely something we should all do. It's incredible. But, yeah, thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Joe.